This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. I'm Robbie Greenfield, and alongside me is Chris McCarty and Sona Rapani. Working our way through the years, we'll highlight world events, cultural achievements, and the stories that have been forgotten. We are entering the time capsule of 2007. It was, well, 14 years ago, to be precise, Rog. Which seems a lot longer than it feels. It seems a lot longer than it feels. And what we like to do during this feature is we like to kick off with some oddball news. Brilliant. Uh, We like to stay away from the serious political stuff in the time capsule. I've I've essentially run a 2007 kickback, (laughs) and I've found the weirdest news stories from the year. And uh, without further ado, here's the first one. German flasher can't stop flashing. Go on. Go on. Right, so a German flasher, it's very important that they were German, apparently, (laughs) stunned lawyers during his appeal hearing on a flashing conviction by stripping off in court, authorities said back in 2007. I mean, he is a flasher, after all. He's only doing what comes naturally to him. (laughs) The court withdrew for deliberations, and during the adjournment, the man removed his clothes again, said a spokesman for the court in the western city of Duisburg. Um, it, it appears he sees it as art and views himself as a living work of art. <laughs> I mean, that's narcissistic. <laughs> I'm a living work of art. Yeah. The 60-year-old, this is brilliant, was in court to appeal against his conviction for running onto the pitch naked during a women's soccer match. Interesting that he chose a women's soccer match and striking a range of bodybuilder poses, the spokesman said, which I've just got a really horrifying image in my head from that. State prosecutors filed fresh charges of indecent behaviour against the man after the court incident. So that happened in 2007. That was one of the big news stories that stopped the press. Uh, How about this one? Zimbabwe man rejects public transport. Okay. Okay. A Zimbabwe man went to unusual lengths to pick up his driver's license, Rog, back in 2007. He stole a bus because he needed to go and pick up his his driving license. (laughs) So the Herald newspaper reported that Steed Mashushire waited until the driver of a bus parked in a central Harare rank and he'd gone to buy food before ordering all the passengers out and making off in the vehicle. The driver and other motorists chased the bus and Mashushire was caught about seven kilometres away. He admitted in court to stealing the bus and he said he needed the ride to pick up his driver's licence, which, you know, worked that one out. There's a beautiful irony to that. There is a beautiful irony (laughs) to that. Uh, Final one for you from the oddball news selection of that year. Um, This one is just brilliant. Uh, A Hummer owner in Russia's second city, St. Petersburg, gave anti-globalists the green light to pelt his oversized vehicle with rotten eggs, <laughs> Russian news agencies reported. Peter anti-globalist activists uh, told news agency RIA they found a driver willing to let them express their dissatisfaction with consumerism by throwing things at his luxury sports utility vehicle. 
Can you wow. imagine that? Look, do you mind if we egg your car? Oh, go on then. I'll park it up, <laughs> do your worst, and I'll take it to the car wash. Um, luxury is a false value, said the spokesman. He said, clouding modern society's vision, advertising posters, TV shows, slick marketing constantly tells us that buying things is the most important value in our society. The anti-globalist said throwing eggs and tomatoes at the Hummer will help draw attention to their cause. The vehicle's owner, for his part, said he will then sell it and donate the proceeds to an orphanage. What a guy. Oh, well, it all ends well, you know. It does. <laughs> what a bizarre couple of stories from 2007. We've got so much coming your way. Best films. We are in the practice now of selecting our favourites from the year. So, Rog, the floor is yours. Your favourite film from 2007. Well, 2007 was a brilliant year for films, but my favourite, by a distance, was Sunshine. OK, uh, let's take a little listen. We have a payload to deliver to the heart of our nearest star. That star is dying. And if it dies, everything dies. There is nothing, literally nothing more important than completing our mission. Are you scared? No. I am. It's so good. That's just brought I've it all back. I've not seen it. I've not seen oh, it. Rob, so I think you'd love it. So the premise is that the sun is about to explode. Is yeah, that yeah? <laughs> High concept. Twenty fifty seven. Okay. Um, it's a probably a little earlier thriller. than we'd hope. But <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> then again. Like. Then again, we might well be on track for it. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just it's got a stellar cast. I mean, it's the second film I've mentioned that's got Killian Murphy in the lead role. Okay. You heard um, Chris. Uh, Evans there as well and it's got I think one of the greatest performances from Mark Strong you don't see him until really late on in the film it's kind of like a it's a it's a big twist and it's right. just fantastic it's um, so a pop fact for you is that um, you know the Professor Brian Cox the physicist he was consulted as to what the sound of a spaceship would be like and all that sort of stuff and of wow. course the simple answer is well there's not a lot of sound but uh, they had to like you know embellish it I've done my digging and um, I have researched the fact that it's a little out 2057 is where the the film was set yeah I'm reassured to tell you that the sun is not going to explode for a long God. billions of years probably <laughs> thanks we're for that. talking billions of years I think we're okay yeah so you can so watch it 2057 is uncomfortable <laughs> but no we're okay um, it's Danny Boyle's masterpiece and it's a high concept sci-fi and it's Roger Pryor's pick for 2007 so Roger's gone top shelf with his kind of you yeah. know with his artistic creation there <laughs> what's Chris gone for let's take a listen <laughs> shall we we're facing war against a technological civilization far superior to our own our enemy can take any shape they could be anywhere it's a robot you know, like a super advanced robot. It's probably Japanese. That's right, he's gone for Transformers, <laughs> arguably one of the worst blockbusters <laughs> ever to hit the silver screen. And Chris says it is the perfect Hollywood blockbuster. It's big, it's brash, it's box office, and, of course, it has Megan Fox <laughs> say no more. Uh, so that is Chris's selection. So let us know if you agree with his selection. I've got a little fact for you on Transformers. Have you seen the film, Rog? I think I've seen this one. I haven't seen them all. There's way too many. Uh, yeah, I did watch this one, yeah. um, and um, 
yeah, it's it's light on dialogue. Yeah. Even in the trailer, I think they they crammed all the dialogue into one thirty second trailer, <laughs> and there was still only three lines. But um, Michael Bay, who directed it uh, during the production of the movie, he actually used the official website to allow fans to suggest lines of dialogue to be used in the film. He basically <laughs> allowed fans to write some of the script, which basically put that shows you where Transformers is at from an artistic premise. What but, do they say about design by committee? They, exactly. <laughs> There you have it. Um, now, he promised that at least one line would somehow be worked into the film's script and it would appear on screen. And among all the submitted lines, the chosen one ultimately ended up being freedom is the right of all sentient beings. That's deep. And this, apparently, this line was taken from some Transformer toy packaging in the 1980s. Oh, it appeared on cool. Optimus Prime's toy package set from the 1980s. Now, I... Used to collect these Transformers when I was yeah. a kid. They were they were they were probably my favourite toy. Actually. They were the best toys. Yeah, they definitely, were definitely Megatron, Optimus Prime. Yes, I mean, and you'd always go to a kid's house and he'd have a better Transformer. Serious envy. I got Bumblebee. And it was, you know, <laughs> Did that, you? Yeah, I really wanted bog Bumblebee. standard, you know. Yeah, but it was one of those. It was back when, before Bumblebee hit the big time in this film. He's, he was, he, he was, was an a, entry level transformer. He was a VW Beetle, I think, back in the day. He was. Yeah, yeah. They changed. He's he's had a few iterations, hasn't he? Yeah. Everyone wanted Optimus Prime. Um, Optimus course. Prime, and a friend of mine down the road had Optimus Prime. I considered stealing it, but. <laughs> Realised I'd never get away with it. Um, but there you have it. Uh, Chris has gone for Transformers. And I, I can't believe Chris didn't select this one, actually, because he always references this particular fight scene in this particular film. It's set in Morocco. It's above the rooftops. Jason Bourne versus some unknown assassin slash assailant. And it's the Bourne ultimatum. Pamela Landy. I hear you're still looking for me. I need that phone. I need it confirmed invalid. He's within 1,000 yards of this building. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. I remember. I remember everything. Just a brilliant finale to... I know there's been a fourth Bond movie. Uh, B- Bond? Bond movie, uh, which Matt Damon was not in, but it was just a brilliant wrap-up of that original trilogy. Yeah. And it was kind of the ultimate closure for Jason Bourne. If you haven't seen the Bourne movies, I'm sure most people listening to this show have watched those. They are brilliant. And I guess they kind of revolutionised the genre as well. Loads of other great films in 2007. I do want to draw your attention to this one, Rog. This was nearly my selection uh, it's brilliant. Hot fuzz. Statistically, Stanford is the safest village in the country. Now, this big city car. Have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. Have you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Must learn. Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? How to think small. Morning, the swans escape. The swans escape. Can you describe it to me? About two foot tall. Yep. Uh, long, slender neck. Huh? That's just going to scare it. (laughs) So this is what I've learned about this film today, which is bizarre. Ice cream was part of the inspiration. So Hot Fuzz is the second chapter in the Cornetto trilogy. Had you heard of this, Rog? Yes, I had, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Edgar Wright is the director. He named the 
trilogy after the popular ice cream cone snack. Now, Shaun of the Dead and The World's End are the other two films that make up this trilogy. Shaun of the Dead apparently represents the strawberry flavoured Cornetto. <laughs> I'm not sure what the link is. The World's End is the green mint flavour, my personal favourite, and Hot Fuzz is the blue original. There you go. I'm more of a strawberry fan, and I'd, I'd mentioned Shaun of the Dead in previous years on Time Capsule. I just think they're such good yeah. films. Those three are brilliant. Uh, we're getting a suggestion. Sunil name-checked No Country for Old Men. Let's take a listen. It's a mess, ain't it, Sheriff? If it ain't, it'll do till the mess gets here. I'm looking for Llewellyn Moss. Did you go up to his trailer? Yes. Do you want to leave a message? Yes. Okay, so all sorts of dark and disturbing things going on in West Texas in the 1980s. Josh Brolin landed the role of Llewellyn Moss, and there's a great backstory to him getting that part because Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez directed his audition. Oh, So wow. he wasn't a marquee name back then, Josh Brolin, and he essentially uh, was filming the, the movie Grindhouse with Rodriguez and Tarantino. Yeah. He asked if he could borrow a camera to shoot a quick audition for No Country for Old Men. And the duo said, you know what? We'll direct this for you. So he, he said that Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino filmed my first audition on a $1 million Genesis camera wow. during lunchtime during the set working on Grindhouse. And that was a really cool looking audition, he recalls. So unfortunately, it was turned down. Um, they just didn't like him. They didn't, they didn't like the audition. And he eventually got his agent to to pester the makers of No Country for Old Men incessantly until they agreed to meet him and when they did ultimately he ended up landing the part amazing so even when Tarantino and Rodriguez shoot your audition tape by no means a guarantee (laughs) you'll you'll get the part Um, 300 also came out that year do you remember that film with Gerard Butler great film you might remember this quote Rog this is Sparta that was not actually supposed to be yelled by oh, Gerard really? Butler. It was supposed to be spoken, but he kind of ad-libbed it, decided that a yell was more appropriate, and it became the most memorable line in the movie. Other big movies that year, The Kingdom, I Am Legend, The Bucket List, uh, Morgan Freeman, Jack Nicholson. It's a beautiful and film. you can yeah, see yeah. with 2007 this trend of franchise movies, sequels, and an ever more noticeable pattern going on in Hollywood. You got that year Shrek the Third, Ocean's 13, Spider-Man 3, the next Harry Potter movie, The Order of the Phoenix came out as well. So, you know, it, it just it started to sort of get into the industry, I think at that point and I'm afraid less originality in yeah. the films being made and and I think that that trend has just continued right up to the present day. The studios have just realized that we don't have to put as much exactly. behind a film Zero if it's risk. already the work's done. Yeah, yeah. Exactly and it's kind of it's a, it's a sure thing, it's a safe bet. Yeah. Um, in TV, The Sopranos um, was brought to, came to a close 86th and final episode Made in America aired on June the 10th bringing the curtain down on one of the greatest TV shows of all time and the show creator David Chase still won't give any definitive answers as to that very ambiguous way (laughs) that the final scene ended I'm not going to spoil it for you but um, a lot of fans were not happy with the way The Sopranos was brought to a conclusion shows that launched that year Mad Men, Big Bang Theory, Californication and Gossip Girl Fan of any of them? Never seen any of them. Are you serious? Those three? No. I haven't seen any of them. You haven't watched the odd episode of Californication? No. David Duchovny? 
No, oh, that's not, Chris no, is I haven't seen it. at you through the is he? Studio Sorry, B there. Chris. Dear, oh, and dear, Mad Men, I think Mad Men would be right up my street, but I, I've just never watched it. Get round to it. Just find some time. Put it on the, the Sonal Rapani list. Yes. <laughs> can add that. Uh, right then, music. Your choice for Song of the Year, Rog. Absolutely. This is on my pre-race playlist. It's Kanye West. No one man to have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. Is this Kanye West at the absolute peak of his powers in 2007? Peak of his powers, and I think peak of his creativity. I think this is when he was on the sweet spot. Now he's, I mean, the other day I saw him levitating off the stage on Instagram the other day. Yeah. He's just put himself out there. This was when creativity, uh, creatively, was just so good. And like I say, that's not even a lie. That's my hype song. He brought out an incredible album that year, I believe, as well. Now, usually Chris McCarty, um, his selections for music are hardcore electro trance numbers um, he's gone for something a little bit different and I fully applaud this choice he's gone for MGMT electric feel take a listen What a song. Brilliant song. Oh, we need to get that we need to get that on our playlist. That's true. 100%. We need to make those calls, Rog. This is okay. one of the first songs that MGMT wrote. It was concocted by the duo Andrew Van Weingarden and Ben Goldwasser well in done. their dorm room at Wesleyan University in Middleton, Connecticut. Connecticut. They were music students there and they basically recorded their album in the dorm. That's brilliant. Amazing, and it was not. They um, they were a sleeper hit, really. They sold five hundred thousand copies in America. They let they the, the the records did so well that they actually made a lot of festival appearances yeah. that year. And this has got a real nostalgia. My choice for the year. You know what? I haven't listened to this song in a long time. It was um, it was part of a playlist we did for a road trip in the U.S. Right. back in two thousand and eight. And this particular song was our favorite on the playlist for one reason or another and it's an old classic by the Kings of Leon it's called Fans good road trips on that brilliant road trip song I can picture it Route 66 yeah Perfect. Yeah, it was supposed to be. Uh, uh, it was supposed to be a Porsche convertible. It ended up being a Chrysler. But hey, <laughs> we've all got a budget. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Kings of Leon is my selection for two. Th- Let us know your favourite song if you can recall. If you can, if you can remember that far back, fourteen years ago, two thousand and seven. Some of this music sounds so current. It sort of yeah. it feels like it wasn't. It couldn't be fourteen years old, surely. Um, Arctic Monkeys. We've been playing them a lot lately. Fluorescent adolescent from their album it's actually a song uh, alex turner who wrote it co-credited his ex-girlfriend uh, a lady called joanna bennett because the song's roots lie in a holiday that they took together where they were reminiscing about characters they knew at school take a listen you took a left of last laugh 
So he told the Times in 2007 that it started off like a joke. They were just writing some lyrics together when they were on holiday. And then they just did some verses and they basically just knocked out an entire song. Brilliant. And, and he said he, he had to co-credit her. Yeah. Good Amazing. on him. Good yeah. on him. So that, that was one of the big songs from the Arctic Monkeys in 2007. This was called, or this was named, I should say, this next track was by both Mojo Magazine and Pitchfork. It was the best track of 2007, riddled with nostalgia. It's LCD sound system, All My Friends. So what's depressing about this, Rog, is that this is a song um, about crazy younger years that were filled with excitement and bad decisions. Love it. Um, Now, James Murphy, who wrote this, said he did it in middle age, where priorities change, friendships fade, leaving him to wonder where his friends are tonight. He was 37, for goodness sake. Oh, you're killing me. (laughs) It would appear, I thought I'd only just begun middle age, but apparently I'm well into it, according to James Murphy. Uh, So thanks for making me feel very old, James. But that was picked as Pitchfork and Mojo Magazine's song of 2007. So there you have it. Into the final segment of the time capsule. It's time to take a little trip down memory lane when it comes to all things sport and Pradeep did mention the 2007 inaugural T20 World Cup interesting little news angle on that Rog because Gautam Gambier has been speaking to the press not so long ago a couple of weeks ago actually the former India batsman and he's actually said India need to and this is a quote get over their obsession with their World Cup wins in 2011 and 2007 and move on India won the ICC World Cup T20 in 2007 and the 2011 World Cups under MS Dhoni and Gambia played a significant role in both of those finals and he says to be honest India needs to move on from that it's 13, 14 years ago we need to get rid of this obsession with 2007 and 2011 he was speaking on Star Sports show ICC T20 World Cup special 2007 the inaugural T20 World Cup India defeating their great rivals Pakistan in the final yeah and I mean he's got a point isn't it you know you can't stay in the past it's, it's like us England fans who still bang on about 1966 you can yeah. move on yeah. a little bit we thought we were going to get an opportunity <laughs> to do did. just that Rog but no sadly we did not get that opportunity what about Chris's selection of sporting moments of 2007 two of the greatest athletes who have ever donned a uniform yeah. um, Phil the Power Taylor mm-hmm. and Raymond Barney Van Barnevelt Physical it was specimens. arguably the greatest darts match ever played at the BDO World Championship and the PDC World Championship and uh, yeah let's take a listen to the last darts thrown by Barney Tops he wants I 
said to Chris that he should consider, with the vocal cords still a little raw, still a little tender, he could, should could consider a cameo on the Oki. As a game shot, done the match, Raymond van Barneveld. If you judge a sport by its following, then um, then Darts is up there, isn't it? <laughs> it very much is. Oh, it's a brilliant at the lakeside. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing theatre. Yeah. Um, and uh, Barnevelt was the worthy winner in that one. Seven six. It was an incredible final. It was nerve jangling. Barnevelt made, I think, a one eighty in the final leg. Oh. And um, Phil Taylor had worked, Barnevelt and Phil Taylor, I should say, had seventeen world championships between them. That was one of the greatest matches in darts history. Barnevelt came back from 3-0 down in sets to win 7-6 after a sudden death leg. It was Barney's fifth world title overall. Never thought that darts would top the billing, but yes, 2007 <laughs> sporting moment. What about my own choice? Well, I'm going to go to golf because this was a good one, actually. This was a playoff which took place at the Open Championship between two guys that at the time weren't all that fond of one another. It was Podrick Harrington against Sergio Garcia in the 2007 Open Championship at Carnoustie. This part for the first Irishman to win the championship since Fred Daly at Hoylake, Royal Liverpool, 60 years ago. It's there. Now you can run on, run. Little one. Oh. What a battle the voice there of the late great legendary Peter Alice as well Harrington defeated Garcia in a four-hole playoff at Carnoustie to become the first Irishman to win the Open in 60 years the first ever from the Republic of Ireland both players went into the playoff having shot seven under par for the championship and that was also the year we saw South Africa defeat the Lions last night in that nail-biting series well this was their second victory in the World Cup they've since added a third of course it was a golden generation the box brought to 2007. They had um, veterans like Oz Durant and Percy Montgomery, but they also had a lot of players in their prime. John Smith, Victor Matfield, Backies Botha, Juan Smith, Schalk Berger, and of course, the man, the flying winger, Brian Habana, who's been a guest on our show numerous times. He scored eight tries in the tournament. The box beat England 15-6 in a very disappointing final. No tries scored. Five penalties to two in and that lo- final. Lo and behold, a controversial t- uh, team MO decision, do you remember? The, was I his foot in or out? Lewis, oh, Lewis yeah. Moody? Good point. That's, cri- that's quite right, yeah. Well, we're not going to drag up No, 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 no. Uh, well done, South Africa. Yet again, that's all we seem to be doing. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. Thank you for listening to the Time Capsule. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do, if you've got a moment, give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.